You're listening to the Creating Your Own Path podcast, episode number 66. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jen Snyder, and as always, you can listen to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast app. You can also catch a new episode each week at creatingyourownpath.com. This episode is brought to you by Stride Health, an online platform built to take the pain out of signing up for healthcare. We are hitting the first open enrollment deadline on December 15th, so if you still need to sign up and want health coverage by January 1st of 2016, you've got to head over to stridehealth.com CYOP to get started. Before we get to today's show, I have a few quick announcements. First, I want to let you know that I have once again opened the doors to my PR and media outreach course, Perfecting Your Pitch. As a former marketing and PR professional turned writer and podcast host, I can't tell you how many times a day I cringe at pitches from business owners who simply don't understand how to reach out to traditional and new media outlets. I know these business owners mean well, but their pitches are almost always off the mark just a bit. So I've refined the course since I first ran it earlier this summer, and I'm opening it up to small business owners again just in time to get everyone ready to pitch their business stories in 2016. The course will be running January 11th through the 29th, but registration is open now, and I've got a special offer for the first 20 people who sign up. At the time of recording this intro, there are still special offer spots available, but they likely will not last. To get all of the details, just head over to jenniferesnyder.com slash perfectingyourpitch. Now, my second announcement may only affect those living in the Sacramento area, but I'm pretty excited to share that I will have an essay in the Sacramento Bee this Sunday, December 13th. The folks behind the Bee's forum section have launched an ongoing series of essays from creative professionals in our area in which we share our thoughts about Sacramento's future, opportunities within the region for growth, and much more. So if you are in the Sacramento area and you feel like seeing my mug and approximately a thousand words on supporting our creative community, go snag a copy. As you might imagine, driving 8,700 miles across the country to interview creatives about their work and the cities in which they create has given me a bit of perspective on the subject. And yes, to my parental units, if you're listening, I'll be getting extra copies. Don't worry. All right. So today's show brings me to the home of Natalie Davis of the leather goods brand Canoe to chat about her career path, the growth she's seen with her leatherworking business over the years, and the magical land in which she creates, Austin, Texas. If you happen upon Natalie's website, you may not realize that she also helps her husband with his business venture, a butcher shop and restaurant in Austin, and that up until recently, she was also a design professor. We dive into all of her different roles and how each one feeds into her creativity in different ways. I've admired Natalie's work for a long time, and I know you guys are going to love hearing more about her work and her fantastic advice for those looking to go out on their own. So let's get to it. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for letting me come to your space today in Austin, Texas. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. All Happy right. to have you. Yeah, it's it's very nice to be here. So I'm just going to dive right in. Will you kind of give us the scoop on your background and tell us how you got to where you are sure. today? So I went to school for graphic design. I got my MFA in graphic design from Cranbrook. I always knew I wanted to be a creative person. I thought when I was younger that was going to actually be in science. Oh, interesting. So when I went to college at first, my major was biochemistry because I really like chemistry. But after a year of that, I loved my classes and did a internship in a lab because I knew I didn't want to go to medical school and I wanted to 
I thought I wanted to go into research. But after a couple months of doing research, I realized it was too monotonous. And so I switched over to the other thing I was passionate about, which was art and design, something I had been doing my whole life since I was a kid. When I graduated, I knew I wanted to go to grad school. I felt like I needed more time to develop what kind of designer I wanted to be. And Cranbrook really gave me that time. So I really dove into um, working with materials while I was there and fell in love with pattern or reignited my passion for pattern. Um, I was doing a lot of surface design, wallpapers, um, embroideries, all kinds of different types of things and trying to think about installation design and sort of how you could create a space that someone would experience, that they would see, that they would walk through, that they would feel. But when I left uh, Cranbrook, I ended up in San Francisco. That's where my now husband was living, and I wanted to try the West Coast. So I went to San Francisco, and I dove into print publishing, actually. Okay. Um, I've always loved drawing, branding, and creating books and magazines, and so I got into publishing while I was in San Francisco, but kind of always itching to get back to making with my hands. So I started a business called Miss Natalie, which was my first business, and that was focused on kids' accessories and home goods. And it really just explored my ideas about pattern, and so it was screen-printed items, wood-burned, hand-painted, all kinds of different things. And I really just tried to create products that would bring a smile to your face. That was sort of my ethos with, with that line. So I started Miss Natalie and, you know, began in 2006, 2007 with that. And I was in San Francisco at the time, and it was kind of the right time to be in San Francisco. Uh, the craft scene was blowing up. There was a lot of shows happening. I met a lot of really important people. At that moment in San Francisco, I was working at Rare Device, actually. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, with Rena and Lisa, and I helped them open the store, and they became really big mentors for me with Miss Natalie and just introducing me to this whole other world. And it just felt like being in the right place at the right time. Sure. Um, so I was doing that, but at the same time still one foot in the graphic design world, one foot in product design, and I ended up taking uh, what was my dream job, actually, at Chronicle Books, working as a children's designer there. That's so, so cool. Yeah, it's, it, was, it was a magical experience. Um, so I was designing kids' books, kids' um, like book plus projects, which tied in well with my experience with product design, and I really grew up, I think, as a designer while there. So after that, my husband and I decided we wanted to move to Texas for a couple reasons, um, to be closer to family. Uh, He was working on a business that really needed to be in Texas, we had decided, and so we wanted to buy a house, and that was just not going to happen in the Bay Area. Right. So we decided to take the leap, and I left my job. He left his job, and we moved to Texas, and kind of in that process, we did a road trip from um, from Oakland, where we were living, to Austin. And during that time, I was kind of looking for something new. Miss Natalie had sort of petered out a little bit for me. I mm-hmm. think I wasn't as inspired by the products I was making. Um, and so I was just kind of, that road trip really helped kickstart 
a lot of inspiration points for me, and I was looking for a new medium to work with. And when we got to Texas, you know, I was spending a lot of time in um, small antique shops mm-hmm. and just kind of really trying to observe a lot while we were here in those early couple months. And I kept coming across all of these beautiful leather pieces that sure. were tooled and dyed, and they were saddles or cowboy boots or um, vintage purses. Yeah, Texas seems like a good place for leather. It it is. It has a really rich history. Mm -hmm. And so I was just intrigued and I walked myself up to a Tandy leather store and fell in love completely with all the tools, with the smell, with the material. And I bought myself a little starter kit and just started teaching myself leather work. And that's really where Canoe got started. That's crazy. Okay. So when you said you just kind of taught yourself, how long ago was that then? That was in, we moved in 2009, the summer of 2009, so it was really probably around September 2009 that I got my first leather kit um, and just started messing around with the mallet and some tools and stamping and just trying to figure out what I could do with these tools and understand what they were were all about. Mm -hmm. And um, Really, I was coming at it, and I still do from the point of view of a graphic designer, So I'm looking at these tools in a different way than I think somebody who is traditionally taught leatherworking. I'm really looking at it as what can these tools make? What's the mark? Um, How can I repeat them or connect them or whatever it is? Just just kind of letting myself experiment. And And I gave myself, I don't know, I would say I feel like I had a year to two years where I really just explored a lot of different things with canoe and just let it be a experimental outlet. And so, um, did you take any traditional type of classes or anything like that? I did a workshop and I joined the leather guild here in Austin. Okay. There is a leather, there is a leather guild. Okay. They're great. And so I started going to monthly meetings and just learning from folks there. We, every meeting there was always a Skillshare and people would bring in projects and talk about it. So I just started hanging out there a lot and learning from people who had been doing it for 40 years, sometimes 60 years. Right. Um, When I first started, really, it was, there were many meetings where I'm the only, I'm the only woman there or I'm the only person under the age of 50 there. Right. right. (laughs) It's changed a lot since, which is really, really great. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, those early days when I first started going, it was a, it was interesting. Right. <laughs> People probably looked at you like, what are you doing here? Well, um, I'm glad that you, you learned how to do it because your work is beautiful. Thank you. And I've been following your work with Canoe for a very long time. Um, and I know up until recently you taught design at Texas State University. Mm-hmm. And you also run a butcher shop, is that correct? Yes. My husband and I have a butcher shop and restaurant called Salt and Time. Okay. So I'm curious, do you find that those professions and passions sort of overlap in some ways? Mm-hmm. Are there like tenants that you can kind of weave throughout them or, or do you try to keep them separate? No, I th- they definitely overlap. Um, my role at Salt and Time is as design director. So um, I do all the branding, the collateral, uh, worked on the interior design, you know, working with furniture designers and, you know, setting the tone for the space and helping Uh, Ben, my husband, with strategic things as needed. Um, Just, you know, another person to bounce ideas off of and talk about the growth of 
of the business and where we want to go. Okay. You know, I always, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur there. I'm also a designer there, first and foremost, really. Um, with teaching, you know, I'm teaching, I was teaching graphic design, so, you know, same skills. Yeah. And same critical thinking. It's a lot of talking through your process. Sure. And mentoring and sharing your skills, which is a lot of what I do in the studio now. Because right. it's not just me yeah. in the studio. Okay, so can we talk just a little bit about that? Because I think sometimes when you teach, that actually it can kind of reinforce what you're doing in Absolutely. some ways. And it kind of helps you um, formulate it in your own mind as well. So can you talk about how you do that with both staff and your workshops? That you sure. Do? So I actually I started teaching workshops because I found a lot of people were in awe of leather, but really unsure of they weren't very educated about it they you know it's I think it's a material that is revered especially in Texas Mm -hmm. and that's wonderful but I was finding myself spending a lot of time educating my customer about the process of what I do and why what I do is different um, or unique and worth the price that I charge for it so I thought about you know what skills do I have? Okay, I'm a teacher. <laughs> I know I really enjoy the process of teaching. I like sharing my knowledge and watching people learn new skills and get excited about those skills and um, experiment and create something that they're proud of. And so I taught my first workshop in 2012. Okay. I think it was out in Marfa at uh, the Transpicos Music Festival, which is about to happen again this weekend. Okay. And it was really fun. I had a great time. And um, so it just kind of, that from that experience, I realized, oh, I really enjoyed doing this. It was a great crossover of two different parts of my life. Sure. Um, and so now, after that, I've, you know, I've started needing help in the studio. Obviously, I'm only one person with two hands. Right. And running a business, a product-based business, where everything is made in our studio requires more than just my two hands. And so I began training assistants and apprentices, and I've had a couple different assistants go through over the years. Um, Sometimes they were former students of mine, which was great because we already had a creative working relationship. Yeah, I bet. I bet that Um, was really helpful. Yeah, it was because we knew each other well. Um... And, you know, it would be after they graduated or, you know, I was no longer teaching them, obviously. And they wanted to, they were interested in what I was doing. And so I was able to teach them. um, And that's been fun to kind of see as, you know, as folks go through the studio to see what they do next. And then a couple years ago, I started working with apprentices. And that's been really rewarding. So right now I have, um, I'm actually hiring for new apprentices. I'm, I have a couple interviews this week. Very um, cool. So I've been interviewing folks for the last few weeks for a production assistant. And um, my studio manager, who's my part-time help that I have, she actually started as an apprentice and then became my assistant and then now is our studio manager. That's incredible. I know whether you create products or services, th- there always comes a point when you need help. And mm-hmm. so what was the what was the indicator for you you know, I need to hire somebody, Mm -hmm. whether it's a studio manager or an apprentice or somebody to just help you make the products that need to be made. What, what kind of switched you over from just a, a, I guess a solopreneur for lack of a better term to somebody who has, um, employees? Well, 
for me, working with leather, it is very process-based, mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of time to do the things that I do. So ultimately, just to get through a wholesale order, I, I just physically needed another set of hands to actually help me complete it. Okay. Um, so really, it was driven by sales, I'd say, um, but also recognizing that I had limited time, and I can't do everything. Um, and I think that's a really important lesson that I learned is being able to say no to things and recognizing when I do need to ask for help. You know, it's been a couple years now that I've been working with apprentices and assistants. And now that I have a studio manager, it's like a whole other ball game. Um, I feel like we can do so much more together. And it's someone who's much more invested in the company than just somebody who is an apprentice who's there just to learn. It it just feels, I, I don't know how I would go back at this point. Right. You know, I think once you can see how many more things you can do and how having new energy in the company and new ideas can just push you further. Yeah, so it's, it takes a village sort of thing. <laughs> I say that a lot, actually. I know, <laughs> I, know I hate to say it, but it, it does. No, it, it really does. does. It takes a village to run a business, especially a small business. I'm sure my husband is nodding over there. He's laughing a little. Yeah. <laughs> After a quick word from our sponsor, we'll hear more about the challenges Natalie has faced in her business, her process for coming up with and creating new products, and much more. This episode is brought to you by Stride Health. If you're a contract worker or freelancer in the U.S., you probably understand some of the challenges involved in signing up for healthcare. I recently talked with Matt McDonald, who contracts with Stride Health to create and manage their content. This means that he's technically self-employed. Last year, he was in a bit of a bind and quickly realized he had signed up for the wrong plan. I talked to him about what he did differently this year and why he used the Stride platform to get covered. I actually kind of picked the wrong plan last year and I got burnt by it. Um, I I got my nose broken and it basically cost me the exact same amount as my deductible, $6,500. So I paid that whole thing out of pocket. The reason I'm using Stride now is because it's a product driven experience. So I go there, I build a quick profile. That all took less than 10 minutes. I took a little bit more time this year because I really needed to evaluate, you know, based on getting burnt this year. What's great about the way that Stride's built the platform this year is that it gives you your recommended plan saying, this is the plan we believe will be your lowest cost plan in terms of how much you pay in premiums and how much you use your care. But here are a couple other options based on your risk profile. This year, I've taken more time to evaluate, well, what is my health risk? And that I wanted to be absolutely sure that I bought the right plan. If you still need to compare plans and get yourself covered, now is the time. The deadline to obtain coverage that will start on January 1st is actually December 15th, which is just five days away. So head on over to stridehealth.com CYOP to get started. Like you said, you've been in business for yourself for quite a while. And I'm curious, what are some of the challenges you've faced as you've tried new things and built Mm -hmm. the company? I think trust. I've learned over the years that I just need to trust myself. That's the biggest challenge. Um, It's really easy to get distracted by other things that other people are doing or that you're seeing on social media and... There are so many demands on for your attention and for your time uh, when you're running your own business. And I think you have to just be able to focus on one thing at one time to really get anything done. I feel like I'm training, retraining myself on that every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, some days are better than others. Some mm-hmm. days I'm 
really mindful and try to stay on task and not get distracted. Other days, you know, something stressful can pop up and just throw you off your game, and then suddenly you're spinning off the rails. Yeah, and yeah. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've all been there. Just, I think, being focused is definitely the hardest challenge. Yeah, and trusting your own yeah. judgment, probably, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I can definitely relate to trusting yourself and, I guess, believing that you can do it, whatever it is. Whatever it is. I think that's one thing, though, that this last year has taught me. I think that I do trust myself, and I think I have. this year has been a real period of growth for me Mm. as a person and as a business owner where I feel like I trust. I've always been confident about my skills, but I think I trust my talent Mm. and my hard work that it will pay off right yeah no that's a it's a good distinction to make I Mm -hmm. think so it's really important so let's talk about canoe for a little bit sure your leather goods are stunning thank you and I want to know about your process a little bit so when you're planning out a new product or a new or a new line or anything like that how do you go about it like what's your process from brainstorming to completion sure so usually any product that I put out starts with a problem that I am facing myself okay Okay. so um for example one of the latest things that we just launched are these leather monstera leaves that are hand-painted life-size monstera leaves made out of leather Mm -hmm. and they have wire in them so they take form they're more sculptural and they were born out of the need to have plants in this exact space that we are sitting in. Um, my kitchen here uh-huh. gets no light at all. Oh, yeah. And it's very dark. Plants. And so <laughs> things die in this space all the time. And I kept joking about wanting to have a giant leather cactus <laughs> in a corner and just to bring some greenery into the space. And that kind of just stuck in my head for it was probably rattling around for maybe a year or so before finally I was like I'm just gonna buy a green hide and we're just gonna make this <laughs> and it was kind of a funny day in the studio um Grace my studio manager and I were talking and I you know we were talking about upcoming shows and things that we wanted to do and displays and you know I I was just kind of leather plants jumped back in the forefront of my mm-hmm. mind I was like oh wait remember I was talking to you about leather plants let's just do that. Let's, let's make some leather plants. (laughs) And I just started, you know, I pulled out the leather swatches and we figured out what green we wanted. And I just like bought a whole hide of green leather, which for me is not a color (laughs) that is in the canoe palette. You go to my website, you will see. And so it felt really just like, whoa, that was a lot of money to spend (laughs) on a whim. But, you know, we, we just started experimenting with it and trying to figure out how to make the forms and I'm really, really happy with it now, and it's nice to see it. And so it's become a key part of our display, and we just were launching a lookbook soon with all the photos. But, yeah, I'm, that, that was a product that, you know, the idea started a while ago, but to finally get to the point where it's actually a product that is, as of last week, on my website for right. sale, you know, that, that takes some time. Sure. Well, and... Um some trust and maybe a leap. Yes. <laughs> when you're buying that much leather <laughs> for a product. Absolutely. But yeah. Um, well, I love that. And I love that you kind of do take those sorts of risks with your business. I mean, 
risk. I mean, it's kind of a weird word to, to use, but... No, but like it is. Said, it's a it's... very bizarre thing. I mean, <laughs> when I started showing them at, at events and shows, people didn't... They just thought they were plants. Oh, and how I, interesting. And I had, to, I had to make a point to say, no, it's, everything here is leather. Mm-hmm. Everything I do is leather. So those plants are leather. Mm-hmm. And then there's the aha moment in it. There's the sense of awe. And people come up and they touch it and they get really excited. And that's amazing as a designer that that's what you want. You want that awe moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I can definitely think of a few spaces in my world that could use some <laughs> some plants right and it's something that you know you buy it once and you have it forever you don't have to keep buying something new and I think you don't have to water it you don't have to water it works really well for displays and um I think in the back of my mind I was you know thinking about maybe for stores or stylists or just people who are living in darker you know a darker apartment where maybe you don't you don't get any natural light but you want something that's going to cheer you up because I think it's hard to look at that and not smile right. when you see it. There's a like, little bit of whimsy there. There is. And yeah. I think there's always that little bit of little bit of joy in what I'm trying to do. I want to talk about Austin a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's where we are today. And I'm on this road trip. It's a crazy road trip. And I'm curious, you know, you said you, you moved here to be close to family and all of that stuff and, and um, to open that the business. But what what is it about this area that kind of keeps you inspired um, and makes you want to keep creating here? Austin is a magical, magical city, and I am in love with this place. I think uh, when we were moving back, we said, okay, Austin's the only place that we really could see ourselves in. And I actually, I went to school in Dallas, so I had spent time, pretty formative years. I went to high school in Dallas and had traveled a lot around Texas. Um, And Austin was just such, always just stuck out as a really special place. It's really green here. So there's a, the landscape, it's not, you know, metropolis or something. You are constantly surrounded by parks, by water, there's swimming holes. It's a very active city. So people are always engaged with nature here. I can attest to that. Just driving around today, um, there are some fit people here. (laughs) It is a really fit, I'm not one of these fit people, but it is an inspiring place to be. Yeah, for sure. And I think just being able to be out in nature while you're still basically in downtown, Mm -hmm. um, is really, that's, that's magical. I think, um, also it's such a creative community here and people are really supportive of each other. So, you know, I've lived in other big creative cities and it's harder to find community. I think at times in places like that, because it's a very competitive Austin doesn't, isn't like that. And I think when we moved here, it was really a key point in our lives, but also a key point in the development of Austin mm-hmm. when we got here in 2009, it was sort of right before the big boom and the big growth spurt. And we were able to kind of plant our feet and sure. find our bearings, I think, um, for both the restaurant and butcher shop and then also for canoe and just sort of getting in, getting in early in a way. And I kind of, people were just very friendly and excited, mm-hmm. you know, telling people what what I do, they get excited about it. They want to know, they want to see the work and they care. And it's a very genuine Southern hospitality that you experience, I think, here in Austin. Um, But it's also changing a lot. It's changing quickly. And I think that's fun. I I like it because there's always new people coming in. There's always new ideas. There's a lot of growth. And, you know, the landscape's changing a bit. There's a lot more 
it's getting a little bit more metropolis sure. <laughs> at times. But it's like an urban density that to me makes sense. You know, it's not like, it doesn't feel as much like suburban sprawl. Right. Whereas more just apartment buildings going up where more people can live closer to where they work. But it, it's just, it's a joyful place, I think, when people, you know, I just came back from Chicago, which I love. And when I was doing a show and telling people that I was from Austin, you know, you tell people you're from Austin and they just, they just smile mm-hmm. and they say how much they love Austin. They had such a good time when they visited, you know, they tell you about where they got tacos or, <laughs> yeah. you know, what music they heard. Mm-hmm. And so it's a fun city. It's nice to be based in a city that is vibrant and people are excited about. Yeah. People, yeah. People seem to know how to have a good time, which is yes. good. <laughs> um, which is good. It's a good thing. And it's interesting. You said you kind of got in early. Yeah, I think we got in before we kind of, Austin had, had I mean, we're still experiencing a crazy boom right now, but I think we kind of, we were able to like get a house, right? um, which was one of our major goals and part of the reason we moved. And I don't know if we were moving here now, that would be really difficult because the housing market's very different than it was in 2009. Sure. Oh, I bet. Um, But also getting into a creative community early is an interesting thing. I think... um, I mean, we've seen things happen with San Francisco, for example, mm-hmm. where you kind of have this big rush of people coming into the city, and then right. they they trickle out. Then they trickle out. Right. And Sacramento is is experiencing this interesting thing right now, where um, I think after the recession, you know, we're a few years out of the recession, and people are starting to kind of rise up, like the create right. creatives are starting to be seen and heard, and and it feels like it's a good time to get in early there. Right. Which is... Um, so you're saying we should move to Sacramento? <laughs> if you want. I mean, <laughs> I can help you find a cute neighborhood, and I know exactly where a butcher shop restaurant should, should go. But no, um, I mean, it is a really great thing to see happen. And so I can, right. I can... I guess what I'm saying is I can identify with that. I can relate to that, even though I've been living in Sacramento since 2000. I was actually born there, so I've seen it grow up almost my whole life. Uh-huh. So, But I think just within the last few years... <clears throat> we've sort of seen that there's a wave happening. Like right. you, people are st- sort of riding that wave a little well, bit. Well, it's, it's interesting because I think in being a creative business owner, you know, I do a lot of events. I go to a lot of events. And as I meet people, you know, at first it felt like, I mean, sometimes it still feels like Austin is a village and you just see the same exact people all the time. But now I feel like it's, it's definitely changed where I'm seeing and meeting new people all the time who just moved here they've been here six months or, you know, and they're coming from all over. And so that's exciting because it feels like there's this influx of talent and energy and, you know, customers. Yeah, sure. You need need that as a business owner. You have to have new customers. You have to have new customers. So I'm just going to switch gears a little bit because we're starting to wrap this up. So for those who are looking to launch a creative career, there are a lot of people listening who either are just starting out or they want to start out eventually, they Mm -hmm. want to kind of go out on their own, what advice would you have for them? I think being patient is some of the best advice. It's something that is really hard to follow, but being patient with your career and letting it develop in the right way instead of trying to force it is really important, I think. Um, Anytime I've tried to force anything in my life, it never works. Right. And so I think I've learned the hard way to just let it take time and 
when the right opportunity pops up, you'll know. And so being patient, I think, with your career, but also with yourself, it takes time to figure out what your voice is. It takes time to try things out, make mistakes, learn from them, and then do something different the next time. That's a really hard thing to just be patient. It is, isn't it? There's a reason it's a virtue. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. No, um, I can definitely relate to that um, because I, I, you know, this show, for example, I've been doing it since last February and that feels like a long time. Right. And it definitely did not have success overnight. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I think to just keep plugging away at something, like you said, when you first started learning how to work with leather, I mean, you it were... was humbling. I mean, it still is humbling to this day. Sure. I go into the studio, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to go into the studio tomorrow. I haven't been, I haven't had a mallet in my hand in a week at this point, And I'm probably going to tool something and goof it up and ruin an expensive piece of leather. And it's just, you have to be patient. I think that's, that is a big thing that leatherworking, like my craft has taught me is to go slow and to be present because if you're not, you're going to mess it up and... You can't always take those things back. <laughs> right, sure. But also, uh, I think it's important to like feel it out a little bit. And, right. And even though, like you said, it's it's hard when there's an expense involved. I mean, right. this show didn't cost a lot to get started and mess up with the first couple rounds. Mm-hmm. But, but when you are dealing with materials that cost a lot of money, it can be hard and maybe humbling to... To mess up with an expensive piece of leather, like mm-hmm. you said, but you still have to give yourself room to kind of play a little and Absolutely. see what happens. Buy some green leather, make some plants, right? Or whatever. So, see, so yeah, I think that's really great advice to kind of let yourself feel it out, but also to be patient, and the good stuff will come. Right. <laughs> <laughs> great advice. All right. So, where are the best places online for people to find out more about you and your work? You can find me at canoegoods.com. And that's my shop, and our blog is there as well. And then you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at canoe underscore Austin, and on Facebook at Canoe Goods. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for your time. I Thanks so it. much, Jennifer. That was Natalie. If you haven't seen her work, please head over to canoegoods.com to check it out. We are not talking about generic bags and wallets here, my friends. Natalie's stuff is beautiful, functional art. I have linked up to everything we mentioned over in the show notes at creatingyourownpath.com. But don't forget to go say hello to Natalie over on Instagram. You can find her at canoe underscore Austin. You can also find me at Jennifer E. Snyder. Also, if you are a small business owner and have been hitting a wall in the PR and media outreach department, head on over to jenniferesnyder.com slash perfectingyourpitch to learn more about my three-week course. And just one more thing, you guys. I know I'm asking for a lot today, but I have to give one final shout out to my sponsor this season, Stride Health. Today's ads are the last you'll hear this season. Not only have they been amazing to work with, they've also done some pretty incredible work in the not so fun area of healthcare here in the U.S. So if you're based in the U.S. and you still need to get your healthcare situation figured out, hit up stridehealth.com slash CYOP. They really know their stuff and have been huge supporters of this podcast. So do me a favor and go show them a little love when you have a chance. All right, my friends, that's it for today. Thanks as always for listening and I will catch you next time.